0: some fair warning, my message uh, is actually an hour and 10 minutes long, um, but they only give me, yeah, they only give me 35 minutes, so it's actually really part one, so this is part one and part two, so you have to come back next week, sorry, if you had plans. Hey, so every year as a team, a pastoral team, we go on a, on a pastor's retreat, uh, Thankfully, it's almost always in Colorado, because who wouldn't want to go on a retreat to Colorado? One year, it was in Nebraska City, and I did not go. But most years, it's in Colorado, and uh, it's awesome. It's a great time. I love it. I uh, get, get to spend time with my wife and with the people that I work with and some other people, some other pastors within our denomination. But this one year, just a couple years ago, I was at a pastor's retreat, and it was, it was a day. It was kind of we had a lot of free time. Because I didn't go to any of the sessions. I had a lot of free time. And so I went and we went hiking and we did a bunch of stuff. And it was just a long, kind of a long day on a retreat. And later that evening, the whole group of us from here at Relevant, we were hanging out in, in kind of the lounge area, just just chilling. And I went upstairs, changed my clothes, put on my slippers and came back down. And and when I got down there, the, the whole group was was hovered around a table. They were playing a board game. Now, And for me, board games are spelled B-O-R-E-D games. It's I just... I just don't like to play board games. There's nothing, it doesn't make me a bad person, right? And so I walk in the room and, and they all ask me, hey Matt, you wanna play board games with us? And I, because they're my friends, I mean we're super close and, and I trust them, I answered them completely truthfully. I said, I, I wanna play board games 0%. <laughs> That's how much I wanna play board games. Well, Later on, it was actually just a few days after returning from retreat, Pastor Jimmy's wife, Amanda, who I thought was a Christian, she, <laughs> she comes and she puts this shirt on my desk to make fun of me. So it was actually really super hurtful. And then Andy, just, Andy Pastor Andy, if you were here last week, Andy preached. One of my favorite sermons, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb and say it's going to be the best sermon in this entire series, which doesn't work out well for me since I got two more, but it was fantastic. You should go back and watch it, except he chose to kind of perpetuate this lie about me with, with what he opened up with. This is what Andy had to say at the beginning of his message. So this time around when I was talking to Matt about this win in Doubt series, um, he got kind of serious and he said, you know, you probably won't be able to do your shtick Um, this time. he was sort of pleading, but like, you're not going to dress up, right? Because this is, I mean, we're talking about doubt. It's pretty serious. And so I was like, oh, man, what a, you know, what a fun sucker. So, uh, and so I feel obligated to apologize to everybody that was here. I thought Andy loved Jesus, but man, Christians, Christians can be so hurtful in in the things that they say about who are supposed to be their friends. And I actually want to share another story with you. It It was it was one of my first it was actually my first job in ministry, my first role in ministry. It was at a small Southern Baptist church just south of Dallas and I was super excited about jumping into ministry and I was a student ministry pastor there and uh, I still remember vividly it was my first time up on the big stage. I, I don't really remember exactly what I was doing but just to give you a reference point. So this is this is what the stage looked like and isn't he cute and chubby? <laughs> no, me, not my son me. I, little cute chubby guy. But that's how I had to dress at this church. And, and I still remember I, I did announcements that, that Sunday. I was super proud of how, how I did. And I walked in the office the next morning and my boss, my pastor, he brought me in the office and he said, hey, I, I, I want to show you this comment card we got yesterday. And the, the comment said this, don't we pay him enough to buy an iron? <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't we pay? I mean... As we talk about things that are hurtful, the things that Christians say and do, I know these are funny stories, they're kind of a joke, but I thought I'd share them with you. You know, really, kind of the biggest complaint about the church from people who are outside the church, most people, in fact, they would say the church is full of a bunch of narrow minded, judgmental, bigoted hypocrites. Well, we're smack dab in the middle of this Win and Doubt series, and sadly, there are many people who would say that they have doubt in God because of Christians that they've known, because of people who claim to be followers of Jesus, and they say one thing, but they live a completely different way, and that's confusing for them. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you have to admit that at some point in your life, you've been around some people where things just didn't quite add up. I mean, maybe it was a classmate or uh, that they post Bible verses on their Instagram all the time, or maybe a teammate who takes the eye black and they put crosses on their cheek before a baseball or football game, or they or they've got scripture references on their cleat. But but you know what they do and how they party on the weekends. Or maybe for a lot of us, you you finally got that job you've been hoping for at this company, this Christian company. All the leadership claim to have a relationship with Jesus. They push family and faith. And then as soon as you sign on the dotted line and get a peek behind the curtain, you realize they really they treat their employees terribly. Uh, maybe you have a friend who, who is constantly being shamed by her father for dressing immodestly and then later find out that he has a terrible porn issue and, and it's confusing to you. Or maybe sadly for a lot of us, you, you had a pastor or a spiritual leader or a, or a mentor or a teacher that you looked up to. And you admired and then finally found out that he's living some completely double life. And, and that's confusing to you. I, I think of a lot about like a, a gym I heard of. Why do we, we go to a gym? Why do we go to the gym? We go to the gym to be healthy and, and to look better and feel better. But a, a gym I've read about that we all know, in fact, just down the street, a gym that has free pizza Monday and free bagel Tuesday. And that's, that's frankly, that's confusing to me. I, I don't... I don't quite understand that. I did sign up this week, but I don't quite understand. I actually, it's, it's a lot like I've got a friend who's celebrating sobriety with me and, and he lets me know often how far along he is. I think he's got to be in the 150-day range. I'm super proud of him. But it would be like him showing up to an AA meeting for Margarita Monday or Tequila Tuesday. Or, it's just, it's confusing when, when people claim one thing, but then they act a, a completely different way. We have a world that would like to believe in God. But when they look at the people of God, they look at the people of God that say one thing and they act a different way. It's just it's confusing. And, and tragically, un- unfortunately, when people think of the church, not, not relevant church, but when they think of the global church or, or a lot of followers of Jesus, uh, they think of scandals. They think of abuse and corruption and hypocrisy. And judgment and hate. And they ask themselves if if this Jesus guy, if he really came full of grace and truth and love, why why do so many of his followers seem to be so full of hate and lies? There's a great quote by a Christian author named Brennan Manning. It's actually a very damning, hurtful, hard quote to hear, but it says this. Uh, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelieving, unbelievable. And if you're a 90s Christian kid like me, you're automatically thinking of DC Talk, but you can look that up later. So the series big idea the thing that we've been talking about it we have not, not by no means are we trying to prove the fact that doubt exists that, that's pretty obvious we all know that doubt exists we've been talking about how do we navigate doubt how do we walk through doubt in a way that when we end up on the other side something is different how do we navigate in a way that actually grows and develops and strengthens our faith in Jesus you might be asking the question but Matt how do i how do I navigate through doubt when that doubt is outside of myself, when, when that doubt is actually caused by the actions of others? How, how am I supposed to walk through that? And I, that's a great question. Now, I actually hope that we can help with that a little bit today. But if you've ever been confused or hurt, disillusioned by or frustrated by Christians who don't actually look anything like Jesus, you're not alone. In fact, Jesus hated it when people talked one way and acted another. Jesus saved some of his most harshest and damning language for hypocrites. And we're going to look at some of what Jesus had to say about hypocrites later today. But before we do that, I kind of want to lay out a little bit of a challenge. I kind of want to let the cat out of the bag right away what, what I believe to be the biggest truth of the morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or if you once were a follower of Jesus, but but currently you wouldn't necessarily claim that out in public. Or maybe for some of us in this room, you're, you're kind of on the verge, you're really considering whether or not you want to continue to follow Jesus because of what you've seen in other people. Let me just say this, if your faith was or is determined by, built on, or grounded on the actions of others, you are destined to doubt. You see, the litmus test for the truth of Christianity cannot be the actions of Christians. It must be Jesus alone. It must be Jesus alone. So back to what Jesus had to say about hypocrites. What we're about to read, these these are the actual words of Jesus. Jesus. You see, the, the, the first four books of our New Testament, the second half of the Bible, the, the stories about Jesus and, and about the church and following Jesus. These first four books are four guys who followed Jesus. They walked with him. They, they took the words that he said and they wrote them down. And we're actually going to look at what the Apostle Matthew had to say about what Jesus taught and said. And, and kind of the context for where we're at in this portion of scripture, this is actually Holy Week. So Sunday, Jesus is... Walking into Jerusalem, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, all that stuff. That's on Sunday. Well, this is actually taking place on Tuesday. And this is what Jesus had to say. This, this whole portion of Matthew is actually what theologians call the seven woes. Jesus, as the, the kids say, I like this one. Jesus woke up and chose violence this day. This is, this is what he had to say. Not real violence for the older people. It's a joke. Anyway. He says this. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. You have to know that Jesus is standing in front of all the powerful people. Jesus is standing in the temple and he is talking with the most powerful people of the day and he is calling them out. In the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Hypocrite, hypocrite is a word that is, actually shows up 17 times in Scripture. And every time it's recorded, they're, they're recording the actual words of Jesus. Jesus was the only one to use the word. Every time Jesus used the word hypocrite, he was correcting those who claimed one thing and lived another. Hypocrite was actually never really even used in this context. It, it was actually really only used in the context of Greek theater at the time. See, Greek actors uh, called Hippocrates, uh, they were stage actors. They would wear one mask on one side uh, and, and play their role. And then probably because of a worker shortage or whatever, they didn't have enough. So they'd flip to another mask and they'd play another role. they act completely different. And so, what Jesus is saying is, if you're giving to be seen, you're a hypocrite. If you're fasting so that people will notice that you're fasting to impress them, you're a hypocrite. If if you're praying in the synagogues and the temple and the street corners so that others will hear you, you're a hypocrite. If you're pretending to be generous yet still take advantage of the poor, you're a hypocrite. You're a play actor. You're pretending when you're really another thing. Maybe today Jesus would say this. If, if you claim to be pro-life but are indifferent about the needs of a single mother and orphans and fosters, foster kids, you finish the sentence. I don't want to offend you. If you claim love and, and say come as you are but you post hateful anti-LGBTQ comments all over social media, you finish the sentence. I don't don't want to offend you. And Jesus had 0% tolerance for hypocrisy. But you'll notice something. Jesus wasn't calling out the sin. Jesus calls out the show. He didn't say, woe to you who drop F-bombs on the golf course because you had a bad shot. He doesn't say, woe to you who choose to watch terrible shows on Netflix over and over and over again. No, he says, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you who make mistakes and act like you don't. Woe to you who put pressures on other people to be something that you're not even trying to be. Jesus goes on and, and he just gets even more harsh. In Matthew twenty three thirty three. he says this, you snakes... You brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Jesus is not mincing words here. He's making it extremely clear how he feels about the hypocrites of the day. So if you've ever been frustrated, if you've ever been mad at the hypocrisy of other people, just know Jesus was frustrated too. And So why do so many Christians seem to get it wrong? That's got to be one of the questions we have. And I kind of have three ideas. As I always say, there's probably more. These are the three that I came up with for this week or that I have for this week. And the first one is this. Some people who claim Jesus aren't really followers of Jesus at all. This should be no big secret to any of us. We all know people who attend church every single Sunday Uh, People who have a giant Bible on their desk or on their mantle at home. But but they've never really surrendered their lives to Jesus. They've never truly experienced forgiveness and been transformed by him. Paul says in a letter to a friend Titus, he says this, they claim to know God, but their actions deny him. Just so we all know what we're talking about, when I say the word Christian, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian, following Jesus does. (laughs) Living in the south or the Bible Belt, it doesn't make you a Christian, following Jesus does. Being a Republican does not make you a Christian, following Jesus does. In fact, believing in God does not make you a Christian, following Jesus does. And if you have doubts because of the actions of others, you you really have to ask yourself, were they even really a follower of Jesus? Because the litmus test for the truth of Christianity cannot be the actions of Christians. And it certainly cannot be the actions of non-Christians. It must be Jesus alone. And so one of the reasons is that they're not really even followers of Jesus at all. Another reason is some are following Jesus... But they're just not very mature. The writer of Hebrews, he, says it, he or she says it this way. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Says this, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I was actually just having a conversation with my older son last night. And he's telling me about a friend of his whose name happens to be Levi. And, and I don't really know if he's, I, th- I think he's growing in his faith. Uh, but he said, Levi went, went to the Old Testament to, to read more about where his name came from. And so he's really young just trying to figure out this stuff. And he looks at Caleb and he goes, dude, have you ever read this thing? There's some effing crazy stuff in there. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'll tell you, because of the type of church that we are, Because we are a church that does everything that we can to reach people who don't know Jesus, to to have people in our midst on a weekly basis who are still trying to figure this thing out. Because we're that kind of church, I have so many of those type of stories. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in T-Life group where people say things completely inappropriate trying to say something the right way. Now, the fact that... They're young believers and still not mature. I'm not making excuses for them if they hurt you. It's not meant to be an excuse. Really, this is meant for you to understand where they're coming from. You might be judging the goodness and the graciousness and the extreme love of an eternal God on the actions of an infant. And so some people, they, they just aren't really followers of Jesus at all. Some, some people are, and they're, they're just trying to learn, and they're just still really immature. And some, well, some are like me, and some are like a lot of you. We, we are followers of Jesus, and we are transforming, and we still mess up. This doesn't necessarily make them hell-bound hypocrites, they could truly love Jesus, and they, they could have a desire to follow him, and they could be doing everything that they can to follow him. They could even have a long history with Jesus and then still slip up and tell a lie. They can want to follow Jesus and have a relationship with him that's growing, and they're changing and transforming, and, and in a moment of weakness, they, could, they can be mean. They may love Jesus and just not want to play board games. I mean... No matter how long we follow Jesus, we're still vulnerable to sin. And in fact, it's the moments you believe that you're not, that you're the most vulnerable to sin. And we all fall drastically short. We're going to let each other down at some point in our lives and our relationships with people. But here's kind of what we do. This is very common for us. When we fall short, we blame our circumstances. Oh, man, it was just this thing. I was just tired. I, I, I had just been at work all day. Or I was just frustrated with this situation. And so that's why, that's why I fell short. But when someone else falls short, we blame their character. When, when someone else falls short, we question everything about them. When, when someone else falls short, we question the God they say they believe in. See, when we sin, it's funny. God is not shocked, right? God is not up on His throne going, "Oh, I can't believe that!" And why is that? Have you ever wondered why? I mean, it's because He knows that we're sinners. He knows that we're sinners, and I love the way the psalmist says it. He says this in Psalm 103: "For He Himself knows our frame." Other versions actually say, "He remembers how we were made." And he is mindful that we are but dust. And so maybe, maybe the reason followers of Jesus, maybe the reason some Christians continually get it wrong is because we are all but dust. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's an unfortunate spelling mistake. Maybe maybe if the hurtful things that are said and done to you, some of the things that you experienced, um, maybe it was unmet expectations. Maybe it was hypocritical actions of a, of a follower of Jesus. Maybe that caused doubt in you. And I, I just want to say, maybe your expectations were too high. See, the litmus test for the truth of Christianity cannot be the actions of Christians It must be Jesus alone. See, when we as a church, as a fellowship, when I let you down, and I I will, when when I say something sarcastic or when I say something inappropriate, when Ronnie says something inappropriate, that's more likely. When I don't live up to what you want me to live up to, or when you disagree with me, or when I say butt dust on stage, just remember that I, well, I am butt dust. And I, I am a follower of Jesus. I, I am redeemed by his amazing grace. I am continually being transformed from one degree of glory to, the, to another. I am constantly seeking to know him more. And yet I'm still capable of horrific sin and evil. And so if you've been hurt by one of us, and that hurt caused doubt in an amazing, huge, loving, gracious God. I am, I am truly sorry. I really am. But your expectations were probably a little too high. Basing your faith in a perfect, good God on the actions of imperfect people, it will cause doubt every time. Because we are dust. One a cool story of kind of how to navigate through this. Hopefully it will be a little bit helpful. There's a, there's a couple of guys named Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, after Jesus was already gone, and uh, they, they started work to work to plant churches. And they traveled all over the place to plant churches. And, and this is a story of one thing that happened to them while they were out doing that. This is in Acts 13. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. And so you can imagine what Paul and Barnabas did, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. They they quit. I mean, they they just walked away, right? Because a bunch of hypocrites. These people that are supposed to be their friends and loved them, and they were terrible to them, and they kicked them out. Well, they, they certainly could have, and they probably would have if, if, if their focus was on people. If, if they had focused on the offense, they would have quit. But Paul and Barnabas, they did what I, I think we need to do so often. They, they realized that the church, capital C, big church, the church didn't let them down. The church didn't betray them. God certainly didn't hurt them. It it wasn't the whole. It was a few people. And this logic that we all use when when we're hurt by people, it it really begins to break down and fall apart pretty quickly when you take it outside of the church context and put it into other areas of our lives. Because we wouldn't do this with a restaurant. Like we we wouldn't go to a restaurant, get bad service... And quit eating. Like, oh, man, my burger took too long. My fries were soggy. I'm never eating again. So so Paul and Barnabas, they decided they're not going to let the sins of a few people keep them from the goodness of God. People are just dust. People will let you down over and over and over again. And so this is what they did. Paul and Barnabas. So they shook the dust off their feet. As a warning to them, and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us, I wanna be careful, I don't don't wanna minimize hurt, because I don't know everybody. I certainly don't know how you've been hurt. And we can all use our imagination to think of different ways that people might or may or may not have been hurt. By the church, And so I'm not trying to minimize hurt. Uh, all I'm trying to do is say that most of us, man, we just need to shake off the dust. And it, it's not easy. I, I don't claim for it to be. I have to do it all. I work for the church. You could only imagine the pile of dust that I have outside my office. That I've got to shake off week in and week out. And sometimes it's some big hurt. Sometimes it's just little things. That I just, I got to let roll off and and shake off and be done with. Because I don't really know a lot of people who are filled with joy, like Paul and Barnabas, and and walking with the Holy Spirit who are still carrying past hurts. See, the biggest complaint about the church is, for most people, is that they're full of a bunch of hypocrites. Hypocrites. And they're right. Uh, If you've been hurt by the church or by a Christian, uh, maybe you have disdain, hatred for the hypocrisy within the church. I, I want you to know I sincerely apologize from the bottom of my heart. We haven't always gotten it right. A relevant community church certainly has not always gotten it right. I've said one thing and I've done another. I've claimed one thing and I've lived another. And as much as I hate to say it, some church leaders have abused the power that they've been given. A follower of Jesus can be arrogant and we can be harsh and in a moment of weakness, we can be unkind. And as much as we want to not be so, we can be unloving. And it's not right and I'm sorry. But the reality is we've all been hurt by hypocrites. It, it's affected all of us. But in the same way, let's just be truthful with ourselves. All of us have been hypocrites too. Followers, Jesus, or not. None of us are perfect. One thing that I can promise you is that I'm going to at some point lose my temper. I'm gonna say things that you don't like. I'm gonna be prideful. I know that I'm gonna be critical. I'm gonna be more focused on what's right than what's loving. But the proving ground, the the testing ground for your faith in a holy God cannot be my actions. The driving force behind the depth of your faith in a loving Jesus cannot be whether or not the leadership of your church are perfect. The proof of the claims of Christianity cannot be that nobody in your T-Life group ever hurts your feelings. It, It must be Jesus alone. And I want this next statement to be encouraging not discouraging but if you've lost faith in Jesus because of people maybe your faith is in people when it should be in Jesus and so here's the big next steps for today before we go into part two next week look to Jesus look to, look to him like what did he teach how did Jesus actually live not not the people who claim to follow him I, We want and we we do our best to try and look as much like him as we can, but we're way off. What did Jesus actually do? How did he love? How did he serve? The the church, even in Jesus' time, that abused power at times. And Jesus confronted those leaders who used their power to oppress. The the church snubbed certain people groups. They completely kicked out different people groups. But people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And they were with him because he loved sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and outcasts. And he was with them. See, Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy. But he has unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for you to shake off the dust. Maybe it's time for a, a watching world, an unbelieving world to look in at us and see something different. Maybe it's time for a watching world to look in at Relevant Community Church to see that, hey, when, when they hurt each other because people hurt each other, and they do something different. When people hurt each other at Relevant, they, they seem to do the, the hard work. They seem to have the tough conversations, and they seem to work through it together to come out on the other side still serving Jesus together. What's different about them? For a lot of us in the room, I know, I know there's plenty of us in the room who currently are not following Jesus because of what they've seen in other people. And I want to ask you today, are you willing to shake that off? Are, are you willing to say that you want more to know the forgiveness of a holy, good God than you care about what they do or don't do? If so, in just a moment, I'm going I'm to pray a simple prayer with you. Just asking Jesus to forgive you. Asking him to come and lead your life. Asking him to help you shake off the dust. Because you're going to need help. This isn't the last time... You're going to get hurt. You don't put your faith in Jesus and then never get hurt by another person, especially another Christian. The litmus test for the truth of Christianity cannot be the actions of other Christians. It must be Jesus alone. Would you pray with me? If you'd like to pray that this morning, just pray something like this with me. Jesus I know that I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. I pray that you would come, be my forgiver, and lead my life. And Jesus, help me in my unbelief and help me to shake the dust off from the hurts. God, for most of us in the room, I fear that a lot of us are more the oppressor than the oppressee. I think, I'll speak for myself, that I know that there are more times that I need to ask forgiveness than I can even count for my own hypocrisy. So God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us as a church? Would you allow a watching world to see something different and relevant community church and be drawn to you because of it? Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in your amazing name. Amen.